Hello friends, before we get started on this next amazing episode, I just wanted to give a short shout out to our team at Metal Cloak, the group that makes this podcast possible. From engineering to production, from marketing to sales, from accounting to HR, every member of the Metal Cloak family works diligently every day to bring some of the world's best products to the off-road enthusiast. Designed, engineered, proven, Metal Cloak. That is not just a clever cadence written by me, but a true statement of what we do every day and why we truly appreciate each and every one of you. If you are looking for something for your Jeep, Ram, Bronco, or Toyota, give us a try. We are here to help. And now, on to another amazing episode of the Modern Jeeper Show. Good to see you, buddy. Ah, it's good to be here. <laughs> Easy swim over. <laughs> How was that massage? Ah, oh, it was amazing. Life changing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> wow. That kind of massage, huh? Yeah, <laughs> Get that Bora Bora. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> The Modern Jeeper Show, the show about Jeeps, Jeeping, and Jeepers. Hello, Modern Jeepers. Matson from Metal Cloak here. Welcome to episode 246 of The Modern Jeeper Show. This is our annual roundtable episode where we bring together some of our great friends in the off-road industry and discuss the past present, and future of our sport, and what it means for you, the modern Jeeper. Corey Jesse and I are joined this year by Dennis Wood of Terraflex, John Herrick of Crawl Magazine, and Larry McRae of Zion Jeep Tours. We discussed the massive amount of acquisitions that continued in 2023 and what we expect to see in 2024, and whether or not that consolidation of our industry is good for the off-roading community. We also tackled Jeep's sucky sales and marketing, how you all enjoyed events in 2023 and how that trend will continue into 2024, and what our big goals and expectations are for the new year. And then we get a rather wet surprise visit from an off-road Hall of Famer and Tread Lightly board member. As always, we're incredibly grateful for this episode to our supporters and friends, including Warren Winches, Raceline Wheels, Best Top, Milestar Tires, Rugged Radios, Nacho Lighting, Adventure Rack Systems, and of course, Metal Cloak. By the way, if you like this episode, or even if you don't, please smash that like button, give a five-star review, and share it with your friends. Now, sit back, relax with the cold one, and enjoy episode 246 of the Modern Jeeper Show. Well, hey, Modern Jeepers, it's another episode of the Modern Jeeper Show. With me, Madsen from Metal Cloak, and Mr. Modern Jeeper, Corey Osborne. Hey, buddy. Hey, and Rockstar Jeep Girl, Jesse. Hey, I noticed <laughs> your shirt you're wearing today. It's uh-huh. my favorite yeah. shirt. Yeah, nice, nice, nice. So that that obviously honors one of our guests. Now, yes. we do have guests. This is our annual roundtable. Um, I was kind of going back through last year's roundtable, which we had a completely different crew than we do, and and uh, there were a few things that that we kind of said in that, and I actually didn't make notes here, but I, I have to say that nothing's really changed. Like I know for me, I talked about wheeling and how many wheeling trips did, did I do this year, um, Corey? What? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. So something about like kids and business and stuff I don't get. Dennis was looking at me like, who the hell are you? Right. Like, what do you, what do, you do? What do you in this business for if you're not out wheeling? I mean, so so Larry, did you wheel this year? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. John, yeah. Like- not as much as I should have, but but I did go out a lot. Uh-huh. John, did you wheel this year in 2023? I did. Quite a bit. Corey and Jesse, did you wheel this year? A little bit. Oh. Um, yeah, we'd like to get out a little bit more, but I don't know if that's possible. And Dennis, yeah, of course, you did. Lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot. Cool. I heard about you. Um, so, so for all of our listeners, this is a great roundtable because – like four out of five, Dennis prefer, in this case, four out of five wheelers is a good thing. <laughs> so I'm just going to be the moderator because obviously I don't know anything. Um, this is this is great. We love doing this and starting out the year this way because we talk about what happened in 2023 and we're going to talk about what's going on in 24. There were some big things that happened in 2023. We'll kind of give our feedback on and what we expect and then kind of what we see 2024 being, obviously, whether it's the economy and how customers, our industry, uh, media, how we see that evolving. Um, there was a lot of discussion last year about media and how that would change. 
Um, and because we had Ian and John talking about the, the evolution of that, uh, we kind of look at this from a standpoint of Larry's like in front of the customers all the time. Uh, John is still media and Dennis is another perspective in industry because um, Dennis would with Terraflex. I realized I actually, and we're just talking on, I didn't actually introduce it. So right. we'll start with Dennis Wood because Dennis is the newest member of the podcast. He has not been on the podcast before, which is unique for doing this particular round table and, and not actually having ever sat down and done a one-on-one with, with Dennis. Um, so there isn't any past episodes you can go to and say, oh, hey, it's all about uh, about Dennis, but Dennis, welcome to the show. Well, thanks a bunch. Yeah, I think it's pretty cool that we can all just get together and do this. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Yeah, it's well, it's it's fun to do. I mean, that's the thing about this industry is reality is when it comes down to it, we all sit around the campfire. We all like to talk about about wheeling. We all like to go out and do stuff. Well, at least the four of you guys do. I I don't even know what a freaking campfire is anymore. <clears throat> it's that thing with a propane tank in my backyard. Um, at John Herrick, of course, Crawl Magazine. Uh, and John, now John, if you want to know more about John, and you haven't, John, let's see, has been on four episodes, which was episode 147, which was a roundtable, episode 70, which was a roundtable, episode 57, which was a roundtable, and episode 24, which was the flashback episode we did from being in... Um, uh, at Offroad Expo years and years and years ago. That's an, old one. That's an old one. Yeah. The thing is, I realized we haven't actually had a episode where it was just you talking about you, like other than that little flashback episode. Like, uh, how, how did that you, happen? Why don't you watch uh, Dennis's podcast yeah. that had. Yeah. Uh, yeah the, the, it, it was all about. It was all about you, right? So yeah. I think thanks, it was Dennis. like nine, nine straight minutes of just me. <laughs> Well, Dennis, what's the name of your podcast? We were just, we just, we just threw this thing up. We didn't even do a, an official name on it. You know, we would just throw them up. Uh, God, we did it for quite a while. And then it's like, all right, uh, we got to drag some people in here. So then it was like, all right, now we're starting to interview our own customer service guys. Maybe we ought to branch this out. You know, so, yeah, just, was that like, uh, was that, the, was that a COVID response thing? Yeah, probably was. Yeah. <laughs> It was, you know, we're, it was doing well. It's one of those, yeah, this is working pretty well. Let's stop. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you have, you have your new corporate, um, I don't want to use the word overlords because that would be improper, but you have your new, you know, corporate vision, corporate vision. Is that, is that the correct answer? The corporate vision. Well, that's, that's pretty warm and friendly. I like that. <laughs> By the way, I have a question for you. I, I meant to ask this to you. Like, I don't know how many of you know that, but like shortly after COVID started, uh, Dennis's wife, um started making masks like how long did you guys make and sell masks oh we didn't sell them we just uh made them a big batch and people needed them you know we had a bunch of friends we just shipped them all over the place (laughs) yeah she was a factory but you know when people started doing that i was like is i'm like oh why would you start doing that it's only gonna last a couple of weeks right (laughs) um all right. And then, of course, we have Larry McRae, friend of the show, been one with us. Gosh, I think, uh, actually, yeah, you are the, you hold the record. Five episodes. Really? So episode, yeah. Episode 147, wow. episode 98, episode 70, episode 57. And then the original interview was episode number seven. Wow. Like, you, we wow. had at least 10 friends we knew we could call and get on the show, <laughs> and you were number seven. And look at you and, now. Yeah. yeah. Now we can't get anybody on the show except for these type. Um, <laughs> most of our shows lately have been like, you know, me, Corey and Jesse sitting around going, hey, you got any questions for us? Because we don't know what to do. Um, I get to talk to Mattson usually once a week and usually it's during the podcast. <laughs> and literally we don't talk for the week after a podcast. And then it's like, hey, what are you doing? I don't know. Are we recording? Should we should we talk on the side? <laughs> no, let's just record it. Then and, and it's fine it. because then I don't have to see or hear from him again for a week. Yeah, wow. that's that's it. It's perfect. It's a great relationship. You know, like the podcast with my wife. No, oh, sorry, I said listens. I love you. Um. So yeah. So we've you can go back and listen to those episodes and Larry. So basically, this roundtable, as I said, is all about just talking about things in the past, the future. Now, the first thing I want to dive into, because I think there's going to be a lot of conversation about this, is acquisitions. Um, obviously, we saw major acquisitions happen in 22, but 2023 was full of the announcements of Dynatrack, Icon, Carly, all going into Randy's Ring Opinion, um, even rumors that Evo is has been sold. I, don't, I haven't been able to confirm that, but those rumors are out there. You know, it's it's like there's so many, uh, so much consolidation happening. And I know 
as a company here, we get letters and inquiries and all the time. And many of them are just like the the spam email, like, hey, can I find anybody trying to sell a company, trying to sell a company, trying to sell a company, right? And some are very, very, very targeted. They're like, you know, we've been talking to so-and-so and so-and-so has you on the short list of companies, right? And so this consolidation that's occurring um, within our industry in 2023, you know, it, it's the question is, do we see that continuing to happen? And is it going to continue to roll over? And what are the predictions in, in, in 2024? I want, John, I want to start with you. I was waiting for you to actually spill some beans. Um, <laughs> no news here. There, there are very a few happy. things that, that I've heard through the grapevine and that I'm not at liberty to talk about. However, um, I don't see it slowing down. I I think there's going to be a point here in the not too distant where the number of companies available uh, are going to be targeted by more and more capital investment. There's there's only I don't I don't see a huge number of of small companies hitting uh, their stride in such a way that that they're going to be targeted yet. But there's a lot of uh, established companies, or there's a fair number of established companies that have to have been approached multiple times by now, and they're just trying to pick the best deal. Right. I mean, I, I look at this group, and I would think any one of us would be a willing target, given the right number. And, and well, and Larry's nodding. And so, uh, I mean, he's experienced it. Right. So it, it's... Uh, it's going to be interesting. I don't think it's going to slow down, but I th- I think there we may see higher prices simply because they're going to be trying to outbid one another. It'll be interesting. The, the interesting part about it is is for founders, and it, there's there's two reasons to sell. Right, one is because you're you're having cash flow challenges and you're trying to find a way of of getting out of that. Um, the other is because you're ready to retire, right? I think Dennis Dennis over at uh, Reed Racing, um, right? Yeah. He, he just he just sold. Um, and for him it was a uh, retirement. Kids weren't really interested in the business and and it was a it was it was time to move on. Um, but from and without giving any specific details, the ones that you have, you know, grapevine rumors about what was surprising to me and i'll just is is, is about right is like especially with like carly icon and um and i could see icon more so um because that was really a business move but dynatrack those were ones where i was extremely surprised that because i felt like they were founders that really loved doing what they were doing so i was surprised that they moved but the companies that you're uh, thinking about is it are there any of those kind of surprises there um the the one there's one in particular that it's more of a, uh, the founder has a huge amount of technical knowledge that's going to be a really difficult transfer after a period of time, kind of showing them the rope and then then figuring out what his, when does he personally leave the state uh, and, and how many 3 a.m. phone calls will he get because the stuff they've made in his absence isn't working correctly and a risk of maybe losing market share or, or allowing uh, a competitor to uh, take some of the pie. And that's well, that's are- what I wonder about is how much how much business knowledge there's a huge amount of business knowledge but how much specific business knowledge is there in some of these acquiring companies, are they going to be able very specialized business? Right, right. Well, it, it is interesting, and, and um, Larry can talk to this, but the is it? And I will say, like some of the conversations we've had because we get them all the time is we have no interest in. Um, as a company going, okay, acquire us. Now we're going to sit around and continue to run it and for you for the next several years. We don't have an interest in that. So that limits the interest level in some companies because they want your technical knowledge to be around. They simply want to infuse capital, and which is not something we need um, in order to get to that, whatever their goal is, right? And so, it, you know, for us, it's, it's we're going to work hard to build our business. And when we're, if we're going to sell it, it's going to be because we're done and we want to retire not continue to build it. Right. So, and I know a gym at Dynatrack, he was, he's done, right? Like I think he, he hung around for a year and he's like, ah, this is, this is, this isn't working for me. Right. And so the, um, the real, like Larry, for you, I mean, you, you stuck around for very famously for about a year. Right. But and, why? And it was the same thing where it's hard to sell it without saying that, yeah, I'll commit to helping you for the next couple, at least for a, a period of time. But what blew me away is that as soon as it closed, it seemed like, okay, we're coming in and we're doing it our way anyway. So, uh, you know, it was kind of silly for me to even be there. You know, they were paying me a lot of money to, to give advice that never got taken. So 
Uh, so it was very frustrating. That's par for the course. Uh, you know, one of my partners, he sold one of his other companies and it's the same thing. Like they basically hired him on to say, Hey, we want you to be a, the head of East coast engineering and never took any advice, but gave him a nice fit salary for 10 right. years when yeah. he sold it. Yeah. It's like, which is, which is just, I don't know, dumb, but Dennis, obviously you're, you, you are experienced in that because you're in the middle of it. Um, and you've very famous, very obviously large company. Um, I, I promised I, Corey, I wouldn't make fun of the new name. Um, but how is it when you're in the, in the mix and you're not an owner. Um, so you, you, you're looking at it from a different perspective, but how has it been for you? As ask if I'm an owner or not, you know, you look at the, <laughs> or I'll see people at court. So I guess you're doing pretty good now that you sold Daraflex. Yeah. <laughs> I see. I see a new, a new, uh, a new video. Den- Dennis is going to get himself into a private jet and do a video there, um, and just so that it's like people. Do you see? There's a guy in Southern California that actually has a um, a movie set of a private jet that he rents out to influencers, so that they can just get some video of himself of themselves flying in a private jet. So we'll get Dennis down there. He's going to be a baller, gold chains and everything. Like, yeah, this is what happens. All right. <laughs> So, but what's it like for you in this, in this world? And do you think it's been, it's good or bad for the industry, the, the consolidation? Yeah, I think, I think the situation for each each individual company is going to be the answer to the good or bad. You know, if if somebody's really struggling and all that, then it's going to be a a good deal to have some cash influx, maybe get them back on their feet, let the company grow a little bit. Um, If in our case, you know, we weren't, if that wasn't it at all, it was just, uh, uh, Mark was getting to retirement, uh, kid, um, you know, it, it can be, a with, with multiple kids that are involved in the thing and, and grandkids and everything, it gets to be kind of a, uh, all right, who's going to be the guy, you know, that's going to have, it's going to be the, the Terraflex guy or whatever. So I don't know. I think there's some of that in there, but, uh, uh he had a, a good run at it growth years, you know, just crazy growth there. And, and uh, he just really peaked the market out too, you know, so we were at our, you know, just, just really peaked out there when he made the transition and made the sale. And it's like once blood's in the water, oh my gosh, you know, like, like you're saying, Matson, you get a couple of people um, coming at you and then it's like, oh, here comes some more. Uh, we had, uh, I don't know, 12 companies, you know, 12 big investment groups that were all after us and stuff. So it was kind of a, a good spot to be in for Mark to be able to, to make a decision, you know, is which one. And, and he kind of looked at it like which one of these groups is going to be the the one that, that keeps Terraflex, uh, Terraflex that mm. we don't lose our identity, that we still have the, uh, you know, the, the camaraderie in the company, all of that. They, you know, he was he was looking to, to have somebody that would be able to do that and keep us intact. Um, that's, that's a tough one too, you know, but anyway, he got it done and uh, it's great move for him. In fact, he just, we just had his retirement party uh, today. We just, uh, he just wow. really two years after the sale, he's like, okay, I'm officially out. And uh, yeah, that's, it's been a long road. That was kind of a tough one, you know, you, you know, 20 years, you, you get to be good friends with him. So yeah, he won't be a ghost, but he, he's done. Wow. Well, you know, congratulations to him, you know, having the proper and, and sticking around too. It sounds like he's stuck around, you know, you know, and, and so they've done a pretty decent job. Obviously there's been a lot of moves that that company has made. Um, and, uh, with the hooding in name now, they're going to do even more. Um, but this, but from the standpoint of Terraflex, are they letting you continue to grow that brand and just be as separate as possible? Yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting deal because each one of the uh, companies in the, you know, it was Wheel Pros, right? And then Wheel Pros actually bought Hoonigan as one of their companies. And uh, so each one of these companies is its own entity. So each one of us is, uh, we're, you know, run internally, all that. Yeah, you do have the uh, the food chain that you have to deal with. But basically, we all have to be profitable on our own. We're our own entities. Uh, yeah, it's, if you don't, you know, where we are sitting here in the marketing department stuff, it's day to day, you know, what changed, you know, mm. so it's kind of been a um, non-event other than, um, you know, when they make some some management changes up and down the line, it's, uh, you know, you can deal with that kind of thing. But uh, basically, it's they just pretty much left us alone. And, and I, th- I think it's, in the grand scheme of things, this is the seventy 
billion dollar corporation that's that's clear like that's over this whole thing right we are such a drop in the bucket sometimes i don't think they even know how to spell our name you know (laughs) well you know it's funny because the rumor was that uh that um larry's old company was going to end up under uh under the terraflex um umbrella that that poison spider body armor was going to end up as a terraflex product line yeah i think and I, I, you know, I look at, at uh, that's a that's not a bad idea as far as um, you know a, a company that was was known for being quality, and then as as times changed, all the changes that went through, and you know, you know how you were there, Larry, <laughs> watched it all happen. So, so uh, I I thought it, as as internally here, we're like, well, that's that'd be flattering, you know, that would be a that'd be an awesome line to take on because it's got a great name and it's a, um, you know what it what it could be is is I think be a good good deal for us, but we're still in the water and we don't know. Well, and the, the flip side of that is Transamerica destroyed it, and let's let's be honest, they they destroyed and decimated the people, and um, you know, killed off the great marketing teams and management out there. I mean, they just they just absolutely destroyed your brand, Larry. I agree. They uh, the the they you know the promise of being completely autonomous and just keep doing what you're doing as long as you're making money, nobody's going to bother you. That lasted like a month <laughs> and then uh, they started making changes and all the changes they made were taken away from the profitability and i said i'm not a business degree holder but this was working <laughs> and what we're doing now is not working <laughs> so, common sense uh-uh you're not supposed yeah. to use common sense no yeah and it was growing still so it was still a you know profitable very uh and we were aggressively trying to develop new parts and get uh the volume up even more and uh, this year they took over it flatlined and then every year after that it went down point where uh i don't even know how they're making money you know with, with the amount of overhead that they tack on uh you know i gotta pay 25% of a production manager in, in Chula Vista, and I've got to pay 25% of a safety guy that we saw maybe once a year. And, uh, you know, it just got yeah, got impossible to make money as a poison spider under the full parts umbrella. Uh, and I think it's probably even worse now. What about you, Corey? Corey and Jesse, when you're out on the, on the road doing this, obviously you see this and how it changes because you're at so many events. Like, well, how have you seen that? How have you seen the acquisitions affect just the customer experience at events. You know, we we were just talking about this um, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, we went to a couple of events this year, and it's always been interesting. You know, this is all of you all are all part of our family and enable us to do what we do, and it's why we enjoy doing it because we get to spend some time and get to see you people and uh, get to see a lot of people on the road. And we went to a couple of events and. All the companies that we know and love, we'd go to talk to somebody and, oh, well, they're not, they're not here anymore. They, um, you know, they were let go. There was um, some movement and, and I totally understand that. Um, Tough seeing our friends. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. For, for a number of different, of uh, different companies all over the, all over the board. Um, and I, I have a couple of thoughts. I mean, one, I, looking at just M&As, just mergers and acquisitions, a lot of these data, um, well, I have two thoughts. Number one is, it seems like a lot of these mergers and acquisitions take place at the peak of of when a company is doing really well. Um, isn't it funny? I think, and this is for the whole group. Um, first of my thoughts is that it w- they continue to wreck, not wreck, but change um, the the company that they're they're acquiring at the peak, and it seems like they never come out the other side as strong as they were before. Um, my other thought is some of these these data companies are saying that you know for for 2022 or 2023 that the the volume of transactions was down about 30% over 2022 the volume the number of transactions of, of acquisition so it's interesting when we start talking about folks like like Clear Lake um, like Kinderhook um, and, and then you have these these smaller acquisitions like by Real Truck that are you know they acquired Go Rhino recently and um, my my question I guess is do you guys think that we'll see this this huge um, th- th- these acquisitions are being done by huge companies so you, you have somebody like Kinderhook you know then they have Best Top and then under Best Top then there's PRP and Tuffy and Bahalek or is it going to be the the littler um, companies like a like a real truck for say not that they're small but um, that they're acquiring directly and then they just let these brands stand this this large layered huge scale transaction I think I don't know I, I mean 2024 could have some financing challenges 
Um, it's an election year. I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm curious as what you all think about how, what, what 2024 looks like going forward and what the, what the industry, the aftermarket industry. Looks like. John, we can start with you. Great question. Well, I can pick up the phone now and not know who I'm going to call. It's, mm. it's be- like Jesse mentioned, we're losing our friend. Now I don't even know who, I don't know who owns the company that owes me ad revenue. But like I mentioned earlier, I think I think we're reaching this tipping point where the number of really worthwhile candidates is shrinking, yet there's still a large number of investors that are willing to spend money. with the hope of these continued meteoric increases in revenue and profit. But it, it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens over the course of 24, because the Fed's talking about three rate decreases. The economy is, seems to be cooking. Um, jobless rates are very, very low. And it just kind of makes you wonder if, if, especially with a lot of money, I mean, a lot of people are complaining about how, yeah, I got a raise, and I'm making more money than I ever have, but everything costs. Right. If if we actually see changes in that and and uh, rates going down in 24, then then there's going to be there's going to be spending. And if consumer spending is solid, um, most of the people I've talked to in 23 said that they were relative spectacular numbers. Um, yet the investors don't seem to be backing off. So maybe they're very hopeful about four, but. Again, the number of really qualified target that they can go after, I I think, seems to be shrinking a bit, and that could just garner higher prices for those those owners that are willing to depart. It, it, I think we're in for a really interesting twelve to twenty four months. But you know, I I I think a lot of the 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 big name players, you know, Poison Spider. I mean, Larry was kind of at the the tip of this, uh, the the big M and A thing in in off road um but this but the wheel pros deal which i i still chuckle because they released that 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 press on april fool's day uh, <laughs> just uh, oh, what kind of crazy crap is this and and then had to do some additional research just to verify that it was a legitimate sale of the company i don't yeah I, so it's it's probably not lost on dennis but um but yeah it just seemed for a while there that it was like every every week it was who do you know at such and such now because so and so is gone right uh, but, so how about you dennis where, where do you answer Corey's question and I, I appreciate you touching on economics too uh john because i do want to get back to that and the economics of what we see in 2024 what do we dennis I think we've all we've all seen the the kind of a shift that's that's happening even at the shows that we go to. and and this shift towards bigger is better kind of thing is also happening at those some of the smaller shows are really you know they're suffering getting smaller and smaller and then there's a few of the bigger shows that are and I don't know if the people have just finally said okay I know I can get great deals if I go to that show that just are getting crazy busy and big you know so um, I think the the whole show thing and then the expense of getting there with fuel price on and on and on so i think maybe that's been suffering making some of the smaller shows suffer but uh yeah as far as the uh, industry um we haven't seen i know that the wheel business was down um quite a bit and and so as a you know a member of this wheel pros entity they thought okay then these guys are going to be down too we better we better pull back on some stuff well we weren't down <laughs> we're not down uh but still they did some of those things which really makes us makes it hard to, to keep up with it you know when you lose some people but uh yeah i think uh i don't think it's a 100 percent rosy outlook coming out um we've still got you know jeeps coming out with with new products for us to to be able to throw accessories at, which is always a good program. And you got the Bronco and some of these things, a lot of more off-road potential for a lot of companies. So um, I don't I don't see a, a mega pullback just yet. Larry, how about you? Now you're sitting in a in a different position because you have Jeeps, you have to maintain them. Yeah, yeah, Broncos too, I think, right? No, just Jeeps. Just Jeeps. You gotta maintain them. You get customers out there, both who are probably Jeep owners who are just renting from you and then others that are actually renting from you or going tours. Do you see at all, like what Corey is saying, do you see, is it more and more difficult to work with vendors or is it, have you had challenges in that area because of the, the situation? You know, our biggest issue has been like with everybody else, it's just getting parts. You know, if something breaks on a Jeep and, and Jeep itself does not have it and it's six months before they get it, you know, that's, that's tough on business when you have a small fleet and you have one sitting for months waiting for a part. Uh, you know, that's tough. Uh, and I don't 
see that getting any better. I don't see the supply chain getting much better. Uh, like there are still issues with, with everything. And I, I feel like we've come to expect delays, poor customer service, uh, paying too much, uh, which is sad. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty sad that that's the, the, the standard down. Uh, I feel like you know the off-road business or the off-road community was most of the businesses were run by enthusiasts that were really passionate about what they're doing and built really great parts. And I feel like that is gone uh, and it's probably, I think the market's pretty right for somebody to come in and start another enthusiast brand. And there's probably, you know, a dozen former owners that are beyond their no-compete clauses now that could put together a pretty amazing company if I was 10 years younger. <laughs> <laughs> right. If I wasn't enjoying my retirement in Bora Bora. <laughs> what do you mean? You're not retired. <laughs> you can't retire. You just happen to be down there working in Bora Bora. That's all. Well, yeah, our... our tour business kind of shuts down and late or after Thanksgiving and then doesn't come back in until about spring break. So this is when we try to get all our travel in is during the winter months. And it's nice to get out of the cold and go someplace where it's, it's raining right now, but it's 88 or whatever. So the water's 88. So by the way, I noticed that, you know, you got like two buttons down, three buttons down, right. You know, I'm about ready to take it off because a little gooey out here right now. Nice. So you touched on economics a little bit, um, John, and so we can talk more about that. But where where do we see 2024? What are the expectations? It's it's 2023 was interesting year. Um, I think there were definitely some ups and downs throughout our industry. Um, I think Corey and Jesse, you'd say you you let's start with you, Corey. Jesse, did you see more? attendees out there, like more people, more Jeep owners and stuff at the events overall, more people coming out and, and trying to to be a part of the community? Well, I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I but I got to preface this with um, mm-hmm. the the new Jeep owner is a lot different than any of the five of six of us um, <laughs> would have thought the Jeep mm-hmm. owner would ever become. Big time. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> So these big events, like Dennis talked about, I mean, these are these are turning into just buying shows, and um, you know, you can you can throw some dirt on some pavement, and all of a sudden you have an off-road course, and and those are big attractions because people literally, I mean, I I have some quick statistics here from 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 August of of 2023. That was the five millionth Jeep was produced. Five million jeep okay so that that, that's wrangler that's not even all of the brands that's just the jeep wrangler um in in, since 1986 there are 80 of these Five million Jeeps still on the road. What's interesting is what we're seeing at the shows and what you guys, I think, are all seeing across the industries are, are the, the new Jeep owner. This is their first Jeep. The JL was the first Jeep they ever bought. Um, maybe they had a JK, maybe. But the guys who evolved and, and girls who evolved through the, the sport and as an enthusiast who had, you know, they, they learned to drive a CJ and then they had a YJ and a TJ. And the experience level, well, that's all gone. Um, these folks are... are new enthusiasts. They don't really want to work. Well, I think it was Rick Payway who told us about four years ago, I think that Jeep really as a manufacturer does not want us working on our own vehicle um, because they have to abide by standards. And therefore, why should the end user be able to modify that Jeep kind of dance around those standards um, that were federally uh, mandated? So I don't know. I think that what we're seeing is the trends there's there's more people going to shows. There there's a lot more buyers out there. I mean, there doesn't seem to be a shortage of cash uh, or the ability to to use a credit card. Um, I also think the land over particular from new, so it's getting overrun tremendously from new people that have better terrain. And as I well. and I think that's part of what we saw from COVID, where everybody was kind of locked down, and we're still under that. I'm not going to give up um, my freedoms anymore. I'm going to get out and I'm going to travel. It's the van life. Um, folks it's it's people who are, can work from the road now high speed internet is available anywhere um they don't need to sit in an office somewhere and they can still work but for 2024 you know i don't i don't really know i don't have a good my crystal ball is is pretty it's well, kind of like that texas blizzard we were in so so here's <laughs> a here, here, still out. here's an interesting question then and, I, and i'll i'll throw it at, at, at our guests we saw a huge double digit drop in wrangler and gladiator sales in 2023, right? Um, some of that could be attributed to the the strikes, but not all of it. So, um, starting with you, John, like, where do you do you see that that trend continuing into 2024? I mean, what what first off, what are your thoughts as to what caused that? 
And, um, and, and is that something we still need to be worried about? Well, a lot of it has to do with car financing, what, what the tolerance for monthly payment. At the end of the day, the the general consumer that's going to buy a, a Jeep product, for instance, is is likely going to fun finance it, and he's going to be on it for probably probably. And you know, I priced out. I have a 2012 JK2, and it's pretty well built, but it's just it it was a nicely equipped Rubicon in 2012 that sold sticker 35,000 bucks. 12 years later, a 2024 was 63,500. It's an astronomical increase in in cost and. And then you've got interest rates had had more than doubled for a paper car buyer, and and then you had longer terms in order to make that payment palatable. You're talking about a thousand dollars a month to buy a vehicle. I, that, well, that's, I'm, that's I'm a, surprised that's a... that that uh, that more hasn't been talked about uh, with with the new car market just because it it's really helped prop up the used car market because a there's a scarcity of decent used vehicles and they're, they're getting higher higher dollar amounts than ever before even when we had the supply chain problems of, of 19 20 21 it, it, it's still it now now they've priced themselves out of the market it doesn't matter if they have they've probably got parts um in excess but if nobody will buy this i mean they're practically giving away glad i have well, one that's a, great, that's a great point, John, because it's, I remember the advertising and Larry, you can, you can chime in on this, but you know, we both kind of rode the wave of the JK taking off going from 75,000 annual units to a quarter million annual units. And that was, but the marketing, I married very specifically, the marketing in those early days was, this is a inexpensive, practical highly capable convertible for the family. And it was, and it was a huge part of it. And it's what, what exploded the market for all of us. And Larry, you can, you can chime in on that, but um, cause you saw the same thing, right? Right. I agree. It was, I think it was the, uh, you know, the, the recession of 2008 and the Jeep Wrangler JK came out and what early nine or was it eight? I forget now. I'm, I've been out of the business for a while. So <laughs> <laughs> you're an old man. I understand. Yeah, but, my ties. but you know, when I first bought Poison Spider, Clifton said, you know, you really need to focus on the TJ. That's the bread and butter and the JK. I just don't think these guys are the off-roaders and they may not ever want these hardcore parts. And uh, it's funny how quickly that changed. You know, I, I bought late 08, early 09. And then the JK became popular and then TJ and YJ stuff became, you know, a fraction of the gross sales within, you know, a year or two of the JK coming out. Uh, and for me, it was, you know, a lot of these people in 2008 had, you know, they're firemen, they bought a house, they financed the boat. You know, they, the house went up so much, so much that they refinanced the house and bought a boat and a and a sand car and a big dually and a fifth wheel. And then the uh, market crashed and they lost everything, but they still kind of had a taste of that off road and wanted to figure out how do I get back into this. Well, if I drive, if I buy this Jeep for my wife to drive to work every day, we got something we can take out on the weekend. And because it's got four doors, we take the whole family. Uh, I think it really changed the market. And I think having a whole family go on an event instead of just dad and his hunting buddies going out and really loosen purse strings on families' budgets when uh, it was a family affair now. Right, right. Well, and, and Dennis, I mean, for, for you, how are you seeing um, 2024 pan out? I mean, how much did, you already said that you were kind of slow growth in 2023, but how much are you seeing this this deficit, this double-digit deficit in sales effect? As, as far as the Jeep sales? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's, well, obviously, you know, if, if we've got, less product to work on out there you know that'll new rolling off the showroom floor and people needing to modify them that's uh that's definitely gonna impact all of us um i mean i like i saw like john was talking i saw this graph that showed um different manufacturers and length of time that their vehicles were sitting on the on the lots mm. and uh right at the top of that graph was uh dodge rams and they were they were like 300 and 30 something days sitting there and right next to them was gladiators and they were coming in at 200 you know these were knocking on a year things sitting on the lot and uh and just like it's been said here it I think it's a combination. The price went up on them and the price went up just because of inflation, but also because started throwing bells and whistles at this stuff to just make it uh, more, I don't know, consumer friendly for the, uh, for the demographic that was starting to get into Jeeps. You know, they needed heated steering wheels. They wanted power seats. They need the big stereo. You know, So all these things really add to the, 
to the cost of a Jeep compared to what we used to see in a TJ, for crying out loud. You know, there was none of that stuff. So the uh, cost was, was considerably less. So that cost plus that interest, holy cow, yeah, it's just at some point there's a there's a break point where people could just, just not afford it. And I think we hit that. Yeah, so from a from a marketing standpoint, I mean, we're, we're all guys that pay attention to things. What I've found in myself, I just don't feel like Jeep is actually even doing any marketing that's worthwhile or even advertising. I can't remember the last time I saw a Jeep ad pop up um, to try to sell this product. Do, a, do any kind of racing? I mean, you look what Ford did with that Bronco. Just, you know, yeah, we got lightly modified Broncos winning everything at the key and lightly modified <laughs> But, but bottom line, you know, they put it out there and that was, but that whole marketing campaign was probably one of the biggest fails on earth just because of, they got it all done and then you couldn't buy one. <laughs> but, mm. So they all had their issues, but got to hand it to them for getting out there in the, the racing. You know, the guy that buys that minivan. Yeah. It's the same company that makes that Hellcat, you know? So that's right. why I bought my Dodge minivan. So, right, you know, right. you well, I, some of the early ads I saw for the jail, what was it? The Jeremy Renner? Um, I'm going to drive my Jeep so I can go play some music at a honky and a honky talk. And I'm like, who cares about Jeremy Renner playing music? You know, I feel like these marketing guys over at Jeep started just saying, what, what are we going to do for marketing? Who do you want to meet? Let's hire that guy. It's, it, it's not really versus the, the, your Jeep is for your family. I just, I just, I feel like they, they failed considerably in their marketing campaign yeah that's that's always a you know you guys have been there we'll we'll do a video and you're thinking that was pretty amazing comes out and it's like nothing and then you do some video and it's like that was a joke and bam it just takes off i don't know how you have it stuff oh <laughs> uh, you just gotta get the idea dennis wood out there as a spokesperson for jeep and <laughs> start selling stuff <laughs> So uh, talking about it, we've already talked about events and it was kind of one of the things I wanted to make sure to, to discuss about the events. Uh, you know, you're seeing the growing events, you're seeing changes in events um, and and therefore kind of in the consumers um, and what their growth is, which is which is what's interesting for us. I mean, the reality is there is a growth of the enthusiast market. There isn't a growth of our lifestyle. And I think that's great. But also this the shift between rock crawling to overland um and that shift within the within the community in the world like john your magazine's all about crawl right but are you seeing a, a readership shift towards wanting more information about just a, 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 the, the demographic change towards towards more just fire roads and and enjoying camping and that lifestyle um i I don't know that it's, first of all, the demographic is 45 to 54 year old men. That's my primary. And it's- We're all old farts older. then, in other words. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're they're 83% Jeep on. So the, I I think with Crawl, they're seeing a lot of a lot of tech and features that they they can bring components of those pieces into, into their own build. And maybe they only want to do fire roads. Maybe they really don't want to. Maybe the Rubicon is the big- bucket list item and after that they don't really care about you know hardcore trails I don't know, the, but I but I think at the end of the day they see they 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 it's still aspiration. I could do because my rig is capable, of, but I don't have to do that because I don't need to prove it. If that makes totally, sense. totally. Uh, Larry, how about you? With your guys coming out and 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 renting your vehicles or going on trips with you, um, are you seeing a change in what they're desiring? So yeah, what we do is not uh, yeah, we don't do Jeep rentals. We do Jeep tours where people okay, actually tours, come. okay ride in our vehicles and majority of our consumers are not jeepers uh it's people that you know have never been off-road in their life and it they're they're blown away by a rough dirt road and uh you know people will jump out and take pictures of cattle guards because they've never sworn their lives i mean that that's the <laughs> that's the client that we have and uh so they it's a slightly different business model than what I had before where I was trying to. Mm. And, yeah. And for us, <laughs> for like a spider, even when I got in the Jeep and I, and I, I bought my first, cause I saw a guy camping with his family in some ghost town at that man. That's really cool. So it was just a, a machine that would get me to the destination. And then, uh, as I started getting into the actual driving that the, for me, the experience was the driving, not necessarily destination. So, you know, I live an hour from the hammers and, you know, those trails, 
whales don't go anywhere. They go up and come back and back at the lake bed when you're done. So there was no destination. It was just all about the driving experience. And uh, I think I'm hoping that a lot of these people that are into the overland because of that that Instagram shot they're trying to get of that overlook uh, will start enjoying the, the process of actually driving their vehicles and want to start doing a little bit more. And then people will want to see Crawl Magazine and buy armor and suspension pieces and uh, to help them gateway, tackle those trails. Yeah, so overlanding <laughs> over could be the gateway drug into uh, rock rolling. I like that. Well, that gets into that whole rock landing world, right? Yes. The more and more guys getting out there and doing it, like you go on a, on a trip with Corey and Jesse, you better know have a little bit of capable rig because you may be out in the middle of Death Valley, but you're not staying on the on the on the higher hardway. Right. Dennis, how about you? Are you seeing? Are your customer base kind of expanding out from just? pure rock crawling to um, guys who just simply want to have a suspension on their rig for overlanding? Yeah, absolutely. And and different uh, parts of the countries is where you really see that difference, you know, where you, you go on the East Coast, there's little ducks everywhere and people are painting their door handles pink, but they're still just loving their Jeep, you know, and they just throw all this bling at it and cruise it around. And so there, there's a definite different demographic as to as far as what they're using their Jeeps to do. But, uh, you know, you move in and get in some of the areas where there's actually somewhere to wheel and they may start out doing those kinds of things. And then once they experience the drive, like Larry was saying, where they were, you know, they, uh, they go out and do that overland thing. And yeah, then next thing you know, I went over that trail. I wonder if I could do that one. Well, I could if I just did this. So I think there's, there's definitely that trickle down that comes from just going out and using your Jeep. You, you just see the capabilities that that guy had when he went over that obstacle so much easier than I did. That's, that's, uh, you know, that's, that's the jeeper thing, you know, it's like, well, I could do that. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that's just us, you know, right. we're going to make our rig big and bad, whether it's to be pretty or whether it's to be functional. I don't know that it matters. Just build it what you want it to do and we'll be happy to help you out with whatever. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, so, uh, um, we're kind of getting towards the end of what we wanted to I'll talk about. I know there's some other things to to hit on. I do want to know what about 2024 and what you guys are all planning. Like what's your what's your big vision for 2024? Not only for you, maybe for your company, for what you're doing, trails you want to hit. Like what's what's the big plan for 2024? Um, I'll get to Corey and Jesse last because I pretty much know their answer. But um John, what about you? What's your big plan for 2024? Well, the spring is Mr. Jeep Safari. It's the last week of March this year. Mm. And that'll be the start of probably three months on the road wow. for Crawl Across America. I've, I've planned about the first half of it uh, into deep April, early May, and that covers nearly 3,500, probably a dozen states. We're going to do a full New England swing and upper Midwest. So it, it's going to be a hoot. It's always a challenge to actually have to put out an issue of the magazine. So that'll, that'll, but yeah, we're just going to take uh, the great white wonder bus out on, out on the road and, and, uh, <laughs> and hope that we can get down to where the, the states are that have cheap diesel. <laughs> Does that exist but, any place anymore? Uh, the Southeast isn't bad. It, every in other words, we won't see you in California anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm literally, I can see the "Welcome to California" sign from my house uh, <laughs> here in Nevada, and and I know it's seventy five cents a gallon more, a hundred and fifty. Yeah, we're at what four four thirty five a gallon till here. I know it's over five. Yeah, well, don't get a McDonald's or anything here too, because they're about to pass that law. So it's like fast food. If you have over like what is it two hundred units, um, it's twenty dollars an hour minimum. No. Yeah. So, you know, automation coming soon to a fast food near you. Um, Dennis, what's your, what do you, what do you see for, for 2024? Um, we're, uh, we're looking at, uh, as far as marketing side of it, we're, uh, we're in with the Jeep Jamboree again this year. So we'll look at going out and doing some events with them. So we'll travel a little bit more, um, just us wise. Uh, we haven't done any international since the, the Rona flared up. So, um, we still, and I still don't see probably any international happening for another year, but, uh, we will probably hit it harder. And like John was saying that you know, the gas price really affects things. So I'll probably only make one trip clear back to the East Coast driving. Then the other ones, when we fly back, I'll fly back into events and do it that way. So that uh, that helps us. But growth-wise and what we're looking at, um, new product-wise and all that, it's uh, it's real heavy on the, the JL side of things, JL, JT, uh, our coilovers that we came out with. 
are, uh, you know, it, it, that's one of those things that's crazy because they're so much money to do and people are standing in line just to, you know, you can't build them fast. It's it's pretty amazing to, to see that. But I've never been a coilover fan just because all the noise and stuff, but they fixed all that and they're pretty amazing. So I'm like, all right, good on you. Go for it if you can swing it. So that kind of stuff is still there. So that's more on the, the heavier use side. And then on the other side of it, uh, you know, interior cargo racks, tray tables, you know, that kind of stuff that's, uh, that's more for the overland crowd, just traveling, that kind of stuff. So we'll hit that little niche as well. Uh, then I don't know what we're going to have as far as what uh, Wheel Pros slash Hoonigan is, is going to uh, throw at us because they'll, they'll give us some, um, you know, whether or not uh, any of these other brands will come into us to, to take care of and uh, come under our stewardship. But uh, we'll see how that all flows. So I don't know exactly how that's going to fly. But bottom line, uh, I don't think we're going to see tons of big growth or anything. But maybe with some of these new products on the Falcon side, uh, lift, you know, it'll still it'll it will still maintain maintain. It should be a, a reasonable year. I don't think we're we're looking at the gloom and doom quite yet. Well, you know, it's always interesting. I know that we we have seen it being affected on a, on a uh, election year. It's a, it's very interesting for our crowd because they they tend to be patriotic American, you know, that sort of many of our, our customers are definitely that strong base. And so when there is a when election year comes and there's uncertainty, where, where's my where's my dollar going to go? Where's my dollar going to go? Do I keep it? Do I prep it? So I guess our big marketing campaign will all be about just be a prepper. Just be a prepper. Get your be- built Jeep built. Be a prepper. Um, Larry, how about you? So what, what do you see 2024? So for us, 2023 slowed down quite a bit. It was uh, for the, the tour business. The uh, national parks had record numbers from 20 to 22. Uh, but I think that's run its course. You know, there's it was all, almost all domestic for several years. And uh, but we haven't seen the international travelers come back yet. You know, talking to our international travel agents are saying it's too expensive to come to America. The airfare oh, wow. is crazy. Wow. The fuel is crazy. The room rates are crazy. And uh, most of them are just not doing it until things change. Uh, wow. So I thought about that. Uh, yeah, losing the, the, the big push of domestic travelers like the national park numbers are down everywhere also because of there was such a huge <clears throat> uptick uh, of people that maybe only go to a national park once in a lifetime. I've done it, you know, during COVID years and uh, I've moved on to other experiences, I guess. Uh, so between that and everything getting more expensive, including our insurance, right? Our auto insurance doubled this year. So oh, that was wow. one, of our, one of our largest expenses. So, you know, we're going to have to look at you know, what do we do? What do we, what, what do we do from here? Do we start? We did a, an event for BFG, which was a little bit more high end experience than what we're doing now, uh, where you know, everything was catered, there was meals, there was accommodations included, and it was a couple-day event. Uh, and it seems like there might still still be some money in that. Uh, so, you know, we might look at, start looking at different tour experiences. Uh, our numbers in 23 were still better than 19, but when you were used to 22 or 20, 21, and 22, a little shocking. So, you know, but I keep thinking the economy is about ready to dump, and every year it gets better. So I, <laughs> I'm, I'm done trying to outguess that. And I just hope that, uh, you know, like our agent, travel agents are saying Springdale, which the local town outside of Zion and like Jackson, Wyoming, uh, or Jackson Hole are two huge destinations for international travelers, but both of them, their room rates are so high that they're just not coming. And I think uh, until that settles down, I think it'll be a little a quieter <laughs> year again, 24. And the question is, what's going to take to settle that down? Because with minimum wage up and everything else up and the cost to do everything up, it just, I don't know how they can bring the prices down. I think the only saving grace we have in Southern Utah with the hotel rate, building RV park tells at an alarming rate. I mean, they are, <laughs> and vacation rentals. I mean, it's so saturated. Uh, it's especially in our little town. I mean, it's just about everything being built is a vacation rental or hotel or a V park. We have our little town of 600 could potentially have 3000 people staying in it every night. Oh, with wow. Our V parks and uh, Airbnbs and uh, VRBOs and hotels, but there's one restaurant, you know, and no, no, no gas stations, you know, nothing to serve people, but there's a lot of choice. So I think the rates hopefully will have to start reflecting that uh, the room rates. Ah, that makes sense. Corey and Jesse, how about you? What's uh, besides the, the long list of tasks that you have from Metal Cloak, 
What, what's what's your goals for twenty? You no, know, it's been it's been. I mean, this this whole year has been kind of twenty twenty three was the, probably the busiest we've been in a long time as far as events and shows and that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, you know, it's funny you guys brought up the hotel price stuff. I it, I immediately just think of Moab, and we all thought, how can this sustain itself? And Moab has bought or has built how many hotels in the last? You know, there was a moratorium on new hotels. They released it because they couldn't find anybody to work them. And then they continued to build hotels and they're all $300 a night minimum. I mean, it's it's just kind of crazy. And yet every year we go to Easter Jeep Safari, pack, can't get a room, everything's full. Um, so, I mean, you know, we, we hit a lot of places last year. Uh, we were on the road 254 days mm-hmm. uh, in a hotel last year. Um, I don't know that that'll change a lot this year. We tend to kind of like that life for now. Um, the adventure side though, is still our passion. I mean, I, um, you guys all know, I, we, we love death Valley and, uh, some of the places that we get to take people and experience, um, you know, the national parks, like you guys were talking as well. Uh, they got hit hard. They had a couple of really bad floods. I, I think it's funny. They have a, they have a 15 or a, a, a 50 year flood now about twice a year. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm not sure how that that plays out. But um, yeah, I mean, we, we get to see our friends and, and, and do what we enjoy by going back across country because we have so many uh, off-road enthusiast friends and family. I mean, we were down in, in Oklahoma this last weekend and uh, stopped by for a, a small Jeep club event. And there was 150 Jeep um, at this small club event. Um, We can't get 20 to show up when the weather's night. And it was, you know, this is, Six o'clock at night, it's dark outside, and there's 150 rigs. Shout out to all the Oklahoma City, my Oklahoma peeps, <laughs> yeah, all of, <laughs> all of Jesse's friends. Um, and and again, we 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 stop by and we get to see um some really near and dear friends of ours that we don't get to see all the time. Um, so yeah, that's that's what makes it all worthwhile, right? I mean, we can go to these big events and do the show thing, but it's getting to spend some time with the folks that that really matter to us all. I think that's what's becoming more important. And we are destination people still. The driving experience, of course, is part of that. I mean, we involved in the industry. Hopefully we can kind of share that, convey that new Jeepers and show them that, I mean, if, if you just want to build your Jeep and go to the mall or, I mean, that's totally fine. Build it with the eight inch wheels. And I, I get it. It's it's the it's just a different aspect of our industry. So um, yeah, like going going to different parts of the country, we see some more overlanding rigs in certain areas. You go down to Florida and there's gladiators everywhere. Um, come back across the states and you go, well, they must all be in Florida. Mm-hmm. So yeah, 2024 will be busy. I think again. <clears throat> well, that's that's awesome. I appreciate everybody being here. I, before I go, I, I have one thing for Larry. Scott Becker re- promised me to ask you about my ties and scooters. So and how many how many Mai Tais did you have before you got back on those scooters? Oh God, <laughs> a lot because they were really yeah tight. they were really good. We, <laughs> so we've been having us we've been struggling finding a delicious drink, and we found a hotel bar that had delicious drinks right on you know these crystal clear lagoon uh and we had a few drinks there got in the pool and we we're going to get back in the scooters and go back and then it just started pouring so we thought oh, we'll just wait out the rain waited out in the pool for a while and just got harder and harder and harder we finally went back in the restaurant and said you know we're just going to sit down here and have a drink until the rain stops and i don't know another three or four later the rain had to stop then it was time to get the scooters back so it was a an experience <laughs> but i think the mai tais help uh, limit the amount of pain raindrops were in probably made it a much funner experience than it really was seemed like it should have been memorable but it's probably the funnest thing at far <laughs> that's this, awesome that's awesome besides jet skiing yesterday out in bora bora that was pretty amazing too ah living the life living the life that's awesome well hey for all of our uh, uh, guests really appreciate it um there's there's probably so much more we could talk about and so much more time we could spend doing this and i almost feel like we should do this every week um but that being said, come to the end of our time. Corey, Jesse, anything else you want to add before we wrap up? No, I, I don't recommend traveling in the wintertime. Um, you know, we, <laughs> we just uh, we spent 29 hours on the road uh, yeah. that should have taken us 14. So it was twice as long. Um, should all just spend our time in Bora Bora with Larry. You're right. I need it. Um, 
everybody be prepared. If you're driving across country, there's a whole bunch of more storms coming our way. Be prepared. You know, we, we were lucky. We had cell service. Um, we had plenty of fuel. We had water and snacks in the Jeep. Um, and we could we could have very well. Well, we spent 10 hours on the highway in a, in a blizzard. So um, just be prepared. be prepared out there. And, and a shout out to everybody in, in Oklahoma and Texas that reached out to us and made sure we were okay. That was pretty awesome. That's awesome. That's hey, awesome. before we go, I think there's a special guest Hall of Fame off-roader swimming over oh, his, from his swimming? over the water swimming over from his over the water hut to our over the water hut <laughs> is that how you travel between huts Here just hop in the water and swim <laughs> nice scooter rider for all of our listeners this is lance clifford the the infamous founder of pirate 4x4 and jk owners now just an all-around like you know racer hall of famer i mean new tread lightly yeah, yeah that's uh, right board director Yes. Yeah. Wow. When there, there's a guy who's putting his effort where his mouth is. I mean, that's that's awesome. It's always been about trails. You know, we didn't even get a chance to talk about land use, which is a big issue. I feel like we should come together on an episode that is just land use focused because we can burn an hour, hour and a half on it. Obviously, we have the issues in Moab that we're fighting, the issues at Oceano Dunes all this area but uh lance good to see you buddy ah it's good to be here (laughs) easy swim over (laughs) how was that massage ah it was amazing life changing (laughs) yes wow that kind of massage huh yeah, they did that in Bora Bora. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. <laughs> well, hey, with that being said, yeah, we, you know, we've got to commit. I'm committing right now. We got to get Dennis on for his own episode just to have it. And we got to get Lance on. You haven't been on the show yet. We got to get you on just to talk about yeah. everything you're doing. So uh, let's get that. Who who books are, are, are we don't even, that's what we need a booking agent. Have my people get with your people. And there we go. Yeah, exactly. my, yeah that's right. That's it. All right. Well, hey, for Modern Jeepers, we appreciate you uh, joining us for this another great episode. Uh, this year has got all kinds of stuff going on. And we always commit this. And then somehow at some point we drop it. But we do plan on having more guests. We're trying to figure out what the vision for the Modern Jeepers show is going to be in 2024. And we'll be sharing that with you soon. So from me to you, appreciate you. Love you. And we'll see you on the trail. Cheers, guys. It's great to see you guys. Good night. Yeah, thanks. Back to the Mai Tais. <laughs> <laughs> Adios. This podcast will self-destruct in five, four, three, two, one.